Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird, Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com. Hey there, and welcome to Hit Like a Girl Pod. More than just a podcast, we are a community dedicated to lifting the voices of women in healthcare and health IT. With each episode, we bring a new expert in her field, not only to share her contributions, but also information about traveling down her career path and how to get her job. I'm your host, Joy Rios. This season, Sharice Maynard is joining me as my co-host. We hit the trails all summer long and are bringing our best conversations with women from the field, sometimes literally, to you. On today's episode, we're talking with Brittany Partridge, the virtual care technical lead at UC San Diego Health. One highlight she shares is how being active on Twitter helped her find her job. How cool is that? Okay, let's get to it. Welcome, everybody. My name is Joy Rios. Today, we are starting off the journey with a hit like a girl pod, season six, hit the trails, epic journey, whatever the heck we're (laughs) calling this thing. We are in Joshua Tree. On our very first like hiking adventure, I've got Sharice Maynard with me and Brittany Partridge. Do you both want to say hi? Hello, Joy. <laughs> hey, Joy. I'm excited to be in Joshua Tree with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, the hike was awesome. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're on an adventure. This is going to be an adventure. Sharice flew all the way from Maryland and Brittany drove up from San Diego. And we're all kind of reconnecting for our first time since COVID. Yep. Yeah. How do you feel? 
I like it. It's really nice to finally see people in person again and not through a Zoom screen. Pretty much throughout COVID, I've only seen my work people. So it's nice to see people in person. Yeah, a different side of conversation. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I think it's been really nice to see how many people showed up for this and how many people got the word out about it. So, I mean, it was just pretty awesome to see how many people were here today Yeah, for the first hike. And this is a, it's been a pretty good group. Mm -hmm. We're not a huge number. There's what, seven or eight of us in total. Mm -hmm. So not massive, but just the right amount, I think, to feel a little bit comfortable and kind of get out of our normal comfort zones. Yep. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm a little bit challenged because I'm an East Coast hiker. I'm not used to these, uh, not only the terrain, but the altitude. Yeah. So that's been affecting me a little bit, but I'm enjoying it. Like I got some really cool photos and the photo apps here are amazing. It is beautiful. And you've been learning a lot of camping skills. I've been learning some camping skills. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been camping in a very long time. So it's been kind of awesome to learn some or relearn some things like even just starting a fire safely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you learn? How to start it safely. Okay. <laughs> How we, not to burn down the fire and all the Joshua trees. <laughs> yeah. We set up some tents. We set up mm-hmm. several tents yesterday. Mm-hmm. I made s'mores and what else? Oh, pitched a tent. You did? Mm-hmm. Yep. I saw it. Good job. <laughs> yep. That is awesome. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good skill to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a spot I would come to again. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, we. I think that we're going to feel this way no matter where we are. That we're not getting enough time. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's the nature of it. But Brittany, you've had. Thank you. I've been wanting to interview and talk with you for ages, and you've heard me constantly say on Twitter and in other social places. I'm just like have so much respect for what you do, and especially how much you have learned and had to take on during COVID. Mm -hmm. So can you just share with our listeners what you thought was going to happen and what actually happened with basically bringing on telemedicine and all of this? Tell us what you do. How about that? Let's start with that. At UCSD Health, I was hired as the clinical communications coordinator, but also to help with telemedicine as it grew. So when I came into the role in October before the pandemic, we had about a two-year plan to roll out all of our ambulatory departments onto virtual care. And then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden everyone needed to be up on telemedicine in a weekend. So our two-year plan became a weekend plan, which was exciting and terrifying. And the teamwork was awesome. And we were able to pull it together and get it launched at every clinic and train a, about 2,000 providers in three days. So, yeah. What? How do you train 2,000 providers in three days? We had Zoom calls. So I have some really great clinical champions, Dr. Meyer and Dr. Millen, who lead kind of our telemedicine from the physician side. And we created slide decks and they taught classes to the doctors all throughout the weekend and they were ready to go on Monday. So we got called into the command center on a Saturday morning and we started conducting telemedicine visits beyond the couple that were happening on that Monday. And then how did it go on Monday? It went pretty well. I was actually very surprised. Um, Having done a lot of rollouts at Ascension, we usually focused on one clinic at a time and having to do it so widespread, I was very worried about the support model because we couldn't be on site with them. Most of them were on site. 
And I was concerned, but it actually, the way we did it went really well. We had a command center set up the way we'd done with clinical informatics in the past with any go live, but we definitely made sure that operations folks were in there with us, billing folks were in there with us, just so that the docs could call about anything. So not just how to work the technology, but how to drop the right codes, what workflow to do if they needed their MAs to help out, how to get certain forms to their patients who weren't coming in and were off their, at their houses. And it could have gone very poorly, but because of the teamwork, it just, it really succeeded. And I was very impressed with how fast everyone were able to pull it off. Can you talk about any of like the major lessons learned? Because we're in hindsight now, like it were, it's been more than a year. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, what are some of the things you think that really, I don't know, solidified your success in that? I think the biggest thing was everyone just willing to pitch in and do anything that would help, whether it was your job or not. So, I mean, we had senior leadership taking help desk calls. We had people running all over to drop. We do mobile to mobile virtual care. So everyone needs tablets or phones. We don't do desktop. And a lot of providers didn't have tablets. It's all Apple on their side. So we had teammates running all over the place to drop off tablets and just the ability of people to take on roles that were not formally theirs and the willingness to just jump in and give it a shot to help the patients. I think that's that culture to just be not, no one said that's not my job. Everyone was just like, how can I help? And I've seen that throughout the whole pandemic, right? Like as we've gone to vaccines and everything, none of us are doing what we were supposed to be doing, but we're doing it happily. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. So it really did teach us a lesson during the COVID phase about how we can bring things up to scale quickly, how we can get things launched quickly. What do you think some of the lessons were learned for healthcare systems about place of service, how we can deliver care and that type of thing during this period? I think, well, a couple, so kind of breaking your question to two parts. The first one, how can we kind of scale up faster now that the pandemic's over? I think that we have definitely learned that it's okay to try it. Whereas before we generally wanted to be perfect, I felt you wanted every, all the kinks to be worked out hundred percent and then maybe dip your toe in the water. Whereas with the pandemic, we didn't have that option. And so now I almost feel like we've got pilots going with new technology that we're doing more the agile method rather than the waterfall method. And we're giving it a shot, see how it goes. And then when it breaks, we'll fix it and try something else. We will see things rolling out faster now and the willingness to kind of try more technology. And then as far as place of service, I think we're all kind of keeping a really close eye on where telemedicine and virtual care are going. And I think this was the launch we needed to kind of push it over the edge because, you know, our numbers were coming up, but they were coming up slowly. And now, even though everything's back open, we're holding pretty steady at about 20% telemedicine across Mm -hmm. the board. And we're starting to look into a lot more around RPM and how can we deliver care not in the hospital. And to me, as the virtual care technical lead, I am so excited. <laughs> like, yes. So can you tell us about your job, your virtual care technical lead? What does that mean? And how do you get your job if somebody wanted to have it? Sure. So like I said, my job changed a lot during the pandemic. So originally I was focused more on clinical communication, which is um, things like nurse call or using iPhones and iPads and throughout the hospital. And that's still part of my job. But during the pandemic, I needed to scale up for telemedicine really quickly. And so a lot of my job is building in Epic, which fun fact, before the pandemic, I was not certified <laughs> and was building anyways. They said I was going rogue, but we needed to get it done. And then I went to class afterwards. 
And then I do a lot with our hardware to make sure that it's set up. I work really closely with our Apple SME to do like mobile device management, make sure all the apps are on the, the tablets and the phones. And then I do, as my background is in clinical informatics, so I do a lot of workflow and optimization as well. Just kind of looking at, okay, how do we, for me, telemedicine is kind of broken up into three parts. There's like the prior to the visit. So how do we get the patient filling out the right forms and having the right technology and having a download on their phone. And there's like the, during the visit, how can the doctor best provide the care? Can they show the patient what they need? Are they connected to the patient well? And then post-care and billing. So those three segments are things that I focus on a lot and which team members we can pull in to optimize. Getting my job. So my career into clinical informatics was really backwards. And I feel like a lot of people that work in CI have those kinds of stories. Do you want me to like start at the beginning or just like my current job? I want to hear it all. Okay. So the way I kind of got into CI is I was fire EMS throughout college. And I saw myself, I was like, I'm going to be a firefighter forever. I'm going to work EMS forever. This is my, this is my calling. And while I was getting my bachelor's degree, I worked for the California Emergency Medical Services Authority. And as the junior member of the team by a lot, they were like, oh, Brittany knows computers. (laughs) And um, (laughs) they were like, okay, can you digitalize our intake form for emergency resources and then help turn it into a database? And of course, you know, I don't have any background in computers at this point. I was like, I know, but you never tell your boss no when you're an intern. So I was like, yes, luckily my dad is a computer science professor. So we figured it out. And then I realized why I really like how tech intersecting with clinical and emergency services can really make things better. And that's when I realized, you know, this, I want to go down this path. I want to find tech and healthcare. And so I went to a graduate program in Austin, Texas, that kind of taught me about meaningful use. At that time, we were kind of bringing all the hospitals from paper to electronic. So that was kind of my first toe in the door was physician training. I trained all the physicians coming on board. And then I took two hospitals completely from paper to electronic. And that, I think, was probably the best learning environment I could ever have because it was very much trial by fire. I learned all the workflows at the hospital, and I spent about six months just kind of attached to the physicians from everything, from surgical to everything. You must have learned so much. So much. And I used so much of what I learned at that point now even just to kind of think through, okay, how will every single new technology affect all of our populations? Because even everyone thinks, okay, there's like doctors, but even in the doctor population, there's so many different specialties and service lines that work differently. They have different goals, they have different workflows. And so that really helped. And then after that, I became just a regular CI. So I did a lot of projects. And I think my favorite, well, favorite two was rolling out ePrescribe for the system and then rolling out Merge Hemo, which is a cardiology cath lab software. And I really enjoyed being attached to them for a year. But after that was over, I became a portfolio manager for CI. Okay. And so that allowed me to handle all the intake and prioritization of all of the projects across the system. And I really enjoyed that because I was the first line of discovery. So I got to talk to all the different service lines from doctors to nurses to MAs, anybody that needed help with technology. I got to kind of listen to what their challenges were and then help our system figure out how to prioritize it. So that kind of gave me more of a global view. And then Ascension started consolidating. So my job went from being just in Texas to all of our hospitals, which I think is about 100, all of their hospitals are 144 inpatient. And so I was traveling around a lot at that point. And then our CIO at UCSD reached out to me over Twitter and said, 
hi, would you like to come visit with us? I think you'd be really good on our team. I was going to say, so a lot, I mean, so full disclosure, we met through Twitter. I don't know if we, you and my Sharice met through Twitter, probably, but you got your job basically through, were you being active on social media about all the work that you were doing in Texas? And then it just caught the eye of UCSD Health? Yes. So the actual blog post, I think that So our CIO is Chris Longhurst, and um, I had written a blog post about putting telemedicine in the jails in Austin. So I did a lot of work with Ascension Connect, which was our telemedicine, RPM, transfer center, nurse triage hub. And one of our projects was telemedicine in the jail, and I wrote a blog post about it. And I guess he was kind of dealing with the same thing out here. And that's kind of what caught his eye, and he reached out to me. And then it took a little while for me to actually end up here, but... Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) And you've been in San Diego now for a year and a half or so? Yep, about a year and a half. Okay. And do you guys work really close together now, you and Chris? He's the CIO, so he's more at the leadership, you know, keeping all the balls in the air level. But I do see him pretty much every morning on our huddles. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And you like your life in San Diego? I love it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm definitely turned into a beach bum. I live about four blocks from the water and I try to get surfing at least twice a week. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Joy's a surfer, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, not so much anymore. Where I live, the water isn't very clean, so I don't like to go into the water, but I always visualize it. I'm constantly <laughs> like looking at the waves, and I'm like, that would be a good wave to catch. And, and I'm, uh, I'm thinking about it often. Well, you can come up to PB anytime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I need to do it. <laughs> and you live near the ocean too, right? I do. I stay at the beach. There's at least like maybe 20 minutes off from at least five beaches. So I stay at the beach if I can. Oh. I try every Saturday if I can get to the beach for a hike. That's what I do. And my husband and I, that is our go-to thing for date night and stuff. It's like, let's go to the beach. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a, such a, I think it's such a calming and also therapeutic thing to be near the water. You can clear your mind and, you know, be out in nature and type. I can't imagine not being near, near the water now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the whole connection to nature, right? So one of the things that have helped keep us all sane, I think, is being outside and reconnecting with nature. In what ways have you been able to do that, Brittany? So I think mainly the ocean and being so close got me through the pandemic. Just every morning I would go walk there and kind of take a moment of calm before my days got crazy. The one time I was really upset was when they shut down our water. (laughs) They didn't just shut down the beach. They wouldn't let you go in the ocean. That was a hard month for me, but We've also taken a couple of trips up to Sequoia and Kings Canyon and Yosemite just to hike and be in nature and get some time away from the screens. Good. What about you, Sharice? For me, it was difficult to, like Brittany said, not be able to go to the beach. I think it surprised me when they shut it down completely because I always thought of it as an open space. You can just go there. So for me, from a therapeutic standpoint, I was a little bit devastated. But I did learn to get outside in different ways, other hikes I could take in that type of um, thing. So I made it through the pandemic from reconnecting with nature. I discovered out we have turtles in my area, giant turtles that I'd never seen before. And it's like it pauses you to realize how often we don't stop and take pause and we really should. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I think I shared with some of you on the hike, I downloaded an app called Picture This. And you can point it at any tree or plant anywhere and it will identify it and tell you everything about it. And then if it's, anyway, I've got it because we're going to be going across the country and I'm just like pointing this thing at different 
different <laughs> a different plant life all over the place. But I'm really looking forward to seeing the collection at the end because it's just so cool. Like mm-hmm. just to stop and notice and right. like what is this thing? And when you start it, to really notice things, like today I was saying, I said, I'm going to go and watch a Joshua tree actually see how it develops because I think they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like I would like to see like a time lapse of how they actually bloom in that type of Did you find one? Not yet. I'm I'm figuring there probably is either one on the Nature Channel or on YouTube. I'm pretty sure the Joshua trees are what inspire Dr. Seuss. Like it's a lot of Dr. Seussian kind of cartoonish. Mm-hmm. They're pretty different. Yeah. Did you learn any weird facts on from your app today? I looked at the Joshua tree only and let me see. I added it to my library. Well, it requires full sun. There's no surprise there. It's hardiness. It just tells you, gives you like pictures of it, the description, tips from garden coaches, how to attract birds. Like, I always yeah. wondered with them, the Joshua trees, how closely related they were to cactuses because they do kind of have that kind of prickliness, you know? They're, a, they're part of the yucca and the, oh my goodness, they're in the asparagus family. Huh. What? Are they edible? Yeah. So the order is. Yeah, I guess agave, orchids, irises, and allies, and asparagus is somehow they're in the, a similar family or connected. Mm. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. That's so what's not- next for you, Brittany? <laughs> How far do you want to go in the current organization you're in, and what are your plans for your career going forward? So right now, I really am loving UCSD. I've gotten to learn a lot of technology that I didn't have before, especially getting EPIC certified. That's before big. I, yeah. Before, I had mostly worked with Cerner and Athena. So coming to UCSD, that was exciting for me to learn Epic. Um, I'm actually going to Bridges class next week, which is our Epic interface Mm -hmm. system. And I'm very excited because a lot of the telemedicine build requires fire. Mm -hmm. And I don't know too much about that besides like what it is, but how to code it, I don't. So I'm excited for that. I eventually want to be the CTO of a healthcare system. So (laughs) that's my Mm -hmm. end game. And I just look for any leadership opportunities throughout UCSD and then eventually wherever it takes me. But I just, the background that I have in CI is so much of bridging technology and ops that I want to keep doing that and get high enough in an organization where I can change the culture Mm. to be able to make that just constant and normal. So that's what I hope to do. (laughs) We also, we ask all of our guests, if you had any advice for women following in your footsteps, what advice would you give? I think the biggest thing, well, so Inside of my job or any job you have, I would say shadow as much as you can or as much as you're allowed. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing to do is just go into a clinic or go into a hospital and pick a group and just follow them around for a day. And I think I'm probably one of the only ones that really likes to do that. But I learned so much about you know what jobs are available, how things work, what problems there might be that we can address. And I just really create relationships that way. So I would say definitely do that, whether it's like the job you want to go in and you go shadow those people or it's the your end users and technologists really understand how they're using it and, and how you can help them. And then also social media. <laughs> so for me, that has been probably my biggest career impact, just reaching out on Twitter. Twitter's been the biggest one for me, a little bit of LinkedIn, and then go to conferences too. Actually, one thing that I'm really excited about is one of my mentors that I met at a conference in Houston just serendipitously pulled me into a book 
group and we just put our our book just dropped on Amazon and I wrote two chapters with co-authors and one chapter by myself. That's awesome. What is it? What's it called? It's called Mobile Medicine Overcoming People, Culture and Governance. And then the chapter that I wrote by myself is about driving technical innovation from all levels. So just basically taking the lessons that I've learned through Go Live and addressing it. And then I actually got to write a a fun chapter with Mitch Parker, who's the CISO at IU. And we wrote about governance throughout the different stages of HIMSS. So I was pretty excited about that. And the other one was um, robotics. I worked with a guy from Medtronic and a guy from Tarleton State. And we talked about wearable technology and robotics. Okay. So very cool. (laughs) Okay. So if people want to follow you, Twitter's the place. What's your handle? And LinkedIn. And then also buy your book on Amazon. Yes. Can you tell us your handle? Yes. So Twitter is uh, BS Partridge CIS for clinical informatics specialist. And then LinkedIn, just look for Brittany Partridge at UCSD. Okay. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Mm -hmm. I loved hearing your story. It was great to see you guys in person. I know. I'm so happy. Me too. (laughs) Okay. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Hit Like a Girl Pod. Make sure to visit our website where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or the Health Podcast Network so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also find us on the socials. Our handle on all of them is Hit Like a Girl Pod. Be sure to tune in next time. See you soon. Like a Girl podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission-driven, which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com.